Today, we're going to talk about the people on your team, how to think about your team, how to give them clear goals so they can succeed, and how to pick the right person in the first place. I'll give you four tips on how to make this oh-so-painful process at times into a seamless process. Straight from the boardroom to the microphone, I'm April Garcia, and this is The Spark, easily applied tools and hacks to get you ahead. This isn't just a podcast. This is an upgrade for your life. Helping good people become even better. This is the spark. Now, I talk about a variety of different things on this podcast, sometimes mindset, time management, habits, different tools and things like that. And I also talk about business because at my core, I'm a business advisor. I like to help people grow their businesses. I work a lot with entrepreneurs, so sometimes I tend to lean towards that. This particular episode of The Spark is tailored more towards business owners and leaders, though these tips, these questions can easily be applied to any people we work with. For example, your accountant, your lawyer, nanny, hairstylist, your amazing tattoo guy, any hired people in your life that depend on you for a paycheck. We are going to discuss how to pick the right people, miss hires, defining your hiring needs, the importance of KPIs and frequent feedback, and finding the right cultural fit. Because your people, the people in your life, are either the engines that drive you forward or big fat anchors that stall you. And in talking about how to pick your people, today's book so well illustrates that. It's a book that um, many consider to be one of the best business books ever written, Good to Great by Jim Collins. You are likely familiar with his idea of getting the right people on the bus and in the right seats and getting the wrong people off the bus, but we're going to go a little bit deeper than that. I'm April Garcia, a business advisor, performance coach, serial entrepreneur, traveler, mama, wife, and just about everything in between. I've made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I only advise great executives and ambitious entrepreneurs on growing their business, having the right mindset, and contributing more to their world. Picking the right people. Why is it important? A lot of reasons, but let me give you four top reasons. Because picking the wrong person, it's going to cost you a ton of time and money, more than you probably realize. And picking the wrong person, it's a morale killer for your team, especially the hardworking people on your team. The second reason is because about 80% of small businesses fail in the first five years. If that's not enough to give a new business owner a heart attack, then I don't know what is. And the third reason, because... Let's address the elephant in the room. Firing people, it sucks for them and for us. So instead, let's work hard on picking the right ones and retaining them. First, let's address the dreaded mishire. A lot of times these mishires, it's really on us as leaders, the leaders that brought them into the organization. Yes, we've all had those employees that misrepresented themselves or maybe even just played lied, but many mishires are tied to not properly vetting them or not setting clear expectations. And here's the thing. I know it's easier to blame them, but that doesn't really serve you as a leader. It's better to take back your power, understand the lessons, and then choose better next time. 
The cost of a bad hire is about three times the employee's monthly salary in a small company and up to 15 times on a large company. So let's put that into real numbers. That operations mishire who made 3 k a month, that can cost a small company 9 k Or that VP of sales in your large org with a base of maybe, I don't know, 13 k a month, that can cost a whopping 200 k So suffice it to say, it costs a lot of time and money. Ain't nobody got time for that. And here's the other thing. Don't fall in love with people's potential. And friends, I'm guilty of that too. I see ahead and I recognize someone's potential, an employee's potential, and how if cultivated well, that person's ability is limitless. And this has gotten me into trouble. You can stand at the desk of a genius and beg them to perform, but ultimately what matters is what they actually do. When the bullets start flying, can you go to battle with this person or they're going to hide out in their bunker? If they aren't a good fit or performing at the level you need, then ahem, free up their schedule so they can go find a better fit for their skill set or their performance level. Need to know for sure? You're not really sure? Ah, I'm on the fence about this one employee. There's an exercise that I've gone through many times with some of my organizations, and we rate our staff based on the value they bring, their skill set, and are they a good cultural fit? And do they align with your vision? And this is a hard exercise to do once you've gotten to know your staff well, because it's hard to be objective. But if you you kind of metricize it, you put it into a chart and say, okay, well, how much value are they really bringing? How well is their skill set aligning with the skill set needed for this role? Are they a good cultural fit? I mean, when you start actually, you know, checking the boxes, you know, marking it maybe one to three and, and really looking at it, oftentimes your answer It emerges. And then we need to act upon that answer. And actually, side note to that, guys, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But we need to make sure that we've set up our employees for success before we act upon that answer. Have we trained them properly? Have we given them clear expectations and KPIs? Because if we haven't, then that's on us. It's not the employee's fault that we didn't set clear expectations that we're too busy to train them or too busy to outline what being successful in their role actually is. Um, we'll go into that more here in just a second, but wrapping up mishires, if we've made a mistake in hiring, fix it quick and fix it well. As mentioned actually in the book, Good to Great, when letting go is the right choice, do it immediately. Delaying letting go of people only frustrates everybody else in the organization, especially the good performers. And when you do let someone go, let them keep their dignity. For many people, it's one of their worst days ever. Um, so help them through that. But if you've been doing quarterly performance reviews, you've had the tough talks, then it shouldn't be any surprise if they're being let go because of performance. That that shouldn't come as a surprise. If it is and it's performance-based, then again, you may not have clearly communicated expectations or um, clearly communicated the gap in their performance. So we definitely want to do that along the way. Never let it be a surprise. So enough about the mishire. Let's get into our actual tips. So tip number one, Define your hiring needs. To have your needs met, you must first know what your needs are. And that's not just in business. Am I right or am I right? So we need to know what those things are. So know right what you want from the get-go. What do they need to do every day? What does success look like in that role? What will need to happen between now and say like a year from now that you and that staff member can be sitting at lunch eating your turkey on rye and thinking you both made the right choice. And also get clear expectations around the new hire 
have that clear with your existing staff too. Oftentimes, everybody has their own idea of what the new person will do, which can wreak havoc on the hiring process and the success of that role. If your office manager thought the new guy was taking over bookkeeping, but you had him slated for customer management, ain't nobody going to be happy, least of all that new employee. Now for tip number two, identifying and hiring for the cultural fit. We have to pick someone that's a good fit culturally, but not necessarily someone that we just really want to have a beer with. Don't pick someone who's just like you. In fact, in many roles, it's best if they're nothing like you. We need to pick new people with the existing team's strengths and weaknesses in mind. But hiring for a cultural fit, hiring someone who's aligned with your core values, that's key. Hire for culture, train for competencies. It's even more important to have the right people than the right roles. Like Jim Collins said, asking who must take precedence over asking what. The right people will always find a path to success. I used to work with a, um, with a president that always picked people exactly like him, except maybe slightly less resourceful than him. He was a white male in the 60s with a tightly focused background in one particular industry. And wouldn't you know it, his entire board and executive staff were all white males in their 60s with similar backgrounds. Well, actually, I think he let one person slip in that was 59. So you can see the potential problem here. He picked everyone just like him. And it's not necessarily about the age and the, um, the career background, but they were just so similar. The challenge with that is that will the company have the diversity to push ahead? Are they going to respond quickly to the market? Are they going to know the latest trades? Maybe, maybe not. They're very similar in more ways than I've just expressed. So much of the business's chokehold, much of a business's chokehold in general, is the owner of the business. And we can't always see that clearly for ourselves, which is one of the reasons why we need people around us that are different than us. And that requires taking an objective stance when evaluating your staff. If a tech company is focused on innovation, you need thought leaders that are progressive, that are constantly educating themselves and know the next step in technology. And you need some diversity in your board. But if your staff is, you know, kind of legacy, they're really good at what used to work well in the past. If they're the type that, well, because it's always been done this way, that's why we do it that way. If, if it's those kinds of people, they likely aren't a good cultural fit for a technology company. So though we need to staff people that are that are different than us and have different skill sets and different backgrounds, maybe even from different industries, they still need to roll up into the right cultural fit for our companies. So if we look at cultural fit for like a well-known company, say like Southwest, if Southwest hires a rude flight attendant, they're not going to be a good cultural fit for the company. We need to have them align with the company's principles, their, their core values, but be diverse enough that they bring a new perspective to the company. I work with another team that's uh, maybe five or six people that has a really good dynamic. So the owner is a, a visionary. He's an innovator. He uses, he uses his intuition a lot. And he has, let's say, two senior staff on his team that are managers. They're very process-oriented, and they crave spreadsheets, workflows, and metrics. So the moment the owner falls in love with an idea, those people are immediately thinking of the processes needed to make that happen, the cost, the staff, the upside, the downside. But that is what makes this team so effective. It's that balance. They have a different mindset, but they still are aligned with the principles and the beliefs of the company. So you see, the owner leaned into his natural strengths 
And then he staffed for his weaknesses. But that takes a high level of awareness and clarity on the owner's behalf. And that team's a good cultural fit. They believe in what the company's mission is. So they're all in it to win it. They're all fighting hard for this. But they've got different backgrounds. And when we talk about, you know, hiring for cultural fit, when we need to let go because of a cultural fit, um, even if that's a top performer, companies don't regret letting them go. They may take a short-term hit, but a lot of studies have tracked this. It's the right decision. And they think, uh, you know, you, I mean, you may have a top salesperson and they're an amazing performer, right? But they're just not in alignment with the culture of the company. They're just not, um, they're not demonstrating the core values of the company. And you think, oh man, that's going to hit us so hard. Oftentimes it doesn't hit you as hard as you think it's going to. And it also says to your remaining staff that, yeah, these core values actually are important and we live by them. In my own company, one of our core values is um, educate and innovate. That's key for us. So if we're interviewing someone and they're a huge proponent of, um, but we've always done it this way, or this is this is what, you know, this is what always has worked in the marketplace, they may not be a good cultural fit for us because it goes against one of our core values. Or another one is doing good things with good people. So we hire around that. We staff around that. Um, but if we're, if we're talking to someone that maybe seems incredibly self-serving, probably not a good fit for us. And an excellent reason to get a solid cultural fit is they stay with you longer. There's a huge survey of about, I think it was 28,000 employees across multiple countries, multiple industries, and they were dialing in. um, They essentially gave 91 different reasons why employees really stay engaged in a company. So why did they stay? Why were they engaged? Was it money? Status? The parking spot with their name on it? Nope. Of the 91 reasons that employees stay engaged, what was the top reason? I am committed to my company's core values. And if you're a small business and you're thinking right now, shoot, I don't even remember what my core values are. Well, neither does anyone else then. All right, let's dive into tip number three, key performance indicators, KPIs. We need to have a tool, a scale, something something to measure people with. We can't just, ah, yeah, they're good today, they're not good today. We need to have something more definitive than that. So key performance indicators for your team, you should have, and you should have them for yourself as well. And this is especially true to small businesses because oftentimes we overlook those. Startups and even smaller established businesses, and, and when I say that, I mean maybe, um, let's say, under $5 million revenue, um, just by their nature, Everybody wears lots of hats and I get it. I've been there. So we end up looking only for generalists. But the challenge when there's no true KPIs, no one really knows if they're doing a good job. There's no feeling of success or accomplishment or, or even completion for your staff. I, I can remember having one of my business analysts say to me, I like my work. I just wish I knew if I was doing a good job. You can imagine what I heard in my head. Wah, wah. That's a failure on leadership. He doesn't know if he's doing a good job. And he was. He was doing a great job, but he didn't know it. So he didn't have a sense of fulfillment in his role. And setting expectations for your team should be designed in a way that's systems dependent, not leader feedback dependent. I liked in the the book that Emith revisited when he said, to manage your employees, don't rely on great people. Rely on great people management systems. 
Because if your people are depending on you to tell them that they've done a good job, holy hell, it's hard to remember to take out the recycling on Thursdays. Don't put that on you. So those KPIs might just be a scorecard. There's tons of employee scorecards online that can give you a clear picture to both you and your staff how they're progressing. It can be simply a scorecard that's, hey, five things we're measuring and the guidelines can be simple. Uh, need more training, meets expectations or exceeds expectations in five in these five different areas and measure it at least quarterly not annually. I was in a conference a few weeks back and the presenter, a, a successful business owner, he's trained hundreds of companies on the topic, reminds us who likes to get measured in their role and who likes to get measured. Is it your best performer or your worst performer? Who likes to have those numbers around them? It's your best performers. That's the one that wants to be measured. And they need to be clear. If you're not sure if your KPIs on your employees are clear, just ask Dave and Admin or Lucia and Ops, how do they know they're succeeding at their job? Do they have a clear answer when you ask that question? Or is it something like, I don't get yelled at or I get to fly under the radar? You can see the challenge with this on multiple levels, but most obvious, they're depending on you as their leader to tell them they're doing a good job. There isn't a system in place to tell them. And though I do believe in giving frequent, giving giving staff and, and people in your life frequent, frequent feedback and accolades, How often do we get busy and forget? So have that system in place. There's another good book on this topic that I'm going to drop in the show notes by um, Gina Wickman Traction that deals with this and actually our previous point um, from earlier in depth. So also highly recommend the book. We'll drop that in too. And now for tip number four, frequent feedback. And on the topic of feedback, work hard, even schedule into your planner to give feedback often. This this isn't just advice for the office, my friends. This is one of the reasons why I'm not a fan of annual reviews, at, at least not as a standalone reviewing process. How many of us struggle to remember what's happened through the year? And then we quickly are just filling out annual reviews, not really adding value to our staff and just checking boxes. And because we're human, we fall into the trap of the air of recency when we're unable to truly evaluate performance because we're mostly remembering what just happened recently. I can't give Lucia an accurate annual review when she just botched a large shipment this week that's created a bunch of additional work for the whole team. No, I'm human. I'm going to rely on the most recent history of that employee. It's going to be hard for that not to influence my annual review. I know these steps, this extra work can be challenging for for you, my small business friend. I know you have big goals, but remember, what got you here won't get you there. Stand squarely on your success, but unless you are just looking to maintain, you need to have these processes. You need to innovate. You need to always be getting better. Now, when we evaluate our team, we need to be honest, most importantly, with ourselves. So here's a really powerful and sometimes very painful question to ask yourself about your team. Y'all ready for this one? Would I happily, eagerly rehire every person on my team today? Think this through and do it honestly. If you didn't have the history with these people, if you didn't know their quirks or their hardships, their backstories, if you just knew how they were going to perform in the role and the value that they were going to add, would you rehire them? Because sometimes we avoid making the hard decisions, well, because they're hard. But we have to ask ourselves these honest questions to move forward. 
it reminds me of the concept. Um, are you familiar with the the sunk cost bias? Have you ever ended up doing something that you knew you shouldn't continue doing simply because you've committed to it? Uh, continuing investing money or time or effort or energy into this thing, we already know it's unlikely to succeed. But every time we invest more in it, it gets harder and harder for us to let go. Like, well, I've been doing this so long. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna see it out, even though we know it's very unlikely to succeed. So many of you familiar with the concept of the sunk cost bias as it relates to investments. But we can do this with people too. Someone who's not a good fit for our team, oftentimes they even know they're not a good fit for the team, but they've been here for a while. Maybe you've invested a lot of time with them. So you keep them around, not because they're performing, not because they're supporting the initiatives of the company, but because of how much we've already invested in them. These decisions, taking a hard look at this, man, it's hard, but it's worth the time to get clarity on your business and your team. And if you're sitting here as as a leader and saying, man, I've got this all dialed in. Yep, I absolutely have. I have good KPIs. I set clear expectations. I'm hiring the right cultural fit. Like I am knocking out of the park. Hats off to you. Amazing. But you probably know some other business owners that aren't doing that. Some other leaders, some other people that are just moving so fast that they haven't had the time to set up their staff well. We want people to succeed. We want to lean into people's strengths and bring that out in them and have a great place for them to work where they can feel proud of the kind of work that they're doing and the kind of contribution they're doing. I was actually out this weekend and I was, I was speaking to someone who is a big fan of the podcast, was listening to it and said, you know, hey, it's it's helped me so much. It's helped me be a better manager and helps me um, maintain my perspective and see things differently. And then she said these words. She said, I hope it's okay that I shared it with my staff. And as she said that, I smacked my head and went, oh my gosh, she has to ask if it's okay to share it with her staff. So that lets me know I failed to communicate that, yes, that's exactly what I want you to do. Share it with your staff. Share it with your neighbors. Share it with Bob in the cubicle next to you. The people that that need this perspective, that want to get to the next level, that they're striving, that they're pushing, they've got goals, they're moving. That's how we all get connected. That's how we create this amazing community of fire starters that are getting to that next level. So if you're sitting there going, yeah, I got this, who do you know that doesn't have it? Who do you know that could use this, who you could share this podcast or some of the insights from this podcast with them and make their job easier, make them a better leader, uh, be more consistent in their leadership or more consistent in their organization, and then help them set up their team better because you probably know someone who fits that bill. Help them out. As we wrap up this podcast today, here's the thing I want you to know, my fire starter. If you've dropped the ball on any of these things, if you're smacking your head going, dang it, I know better. How am I here? Just know you're not alone. Those of us who have been doing this for years sometimes forget the basics. We get busy or we get a little success under our belt and then we forget the basics or we minimize their importance. We all do it. And that's that's why I'm here. That's why I'm reminding you. So thinking back to our book today, um, Good to Great, so much in those pages, it's amazing. But one point I really want to drive home is great companies do not have better or more information. They just deal with information more honestly and directly. We'll put the link to that book on our site, thesparknow.com slash books, because it's a great book. But let's talk about what we can do today. What can we do today to be better leaders and make sure we have the right butts in the right seats? 
Make a list of your team right now on a sheet of paper. So pull it out. I'll wait. I'm waiting. All right. If you're in a car, pull it over. Be safe. We want you to stay in this world and keep contributing. So let's get out the piece of paper. Let's get out the pen. And we're going to write down our staff. So we've got Rick and Christopher and Diego and Kayla. And ask yourself these three questions for each of those people. Not Rick, Christopher, and Diego or Kayla. Maybe you've staffed the same way we have. I don't know. But let's just say, pull it out. List your people. How aligned are they with your your mission or your values? So let's just give an example. I have multiple teams from different companies, but let's just say um, at the Spark with April Garcia, our mission is inspiring others to succeed at what's important to them. So I need to say of those people I just listed, is that important to them? Are they aligned with that? Do I staff around that? Are they trying to help people get to the next level? So whatever your values are, measure them against that. Second question for your staff is, how effective are they at the job? Assuming you've clearly communicated the expectations of their job to them, how effective are they at performing? And the third and most important step, would you happily rehire this person today? If you wanted to take this a little bit further, measure yourself against those same criteria. That's pretty enlightening too. Guys, I know that this is tough work. Sometimes it's hard to take this objective stance, but this is how we get better. This is how we train better. This is how we hire better. This is how we get better in all aspects of our lives. Communication, expectations, and an honest perspective on where we are. Is it work? Yeah, it's work. But you, your staff, your company, they're worth it. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget... Sharing is caring, so tell your friends about the spark and help them get to the next level. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at aprilgarcia underscore the spark or check me out at thesparknow.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors, and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.